Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on. Let's go. Yes, you. Come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy. Nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy, your source of health information every Wednesday. This week's episode is a little off the beaten path, as I've done in previous episodes. I'm going to discuss a medical topic and have a non-medical guest that will share light on his works as an artist. This week's medical topic is, when is the best time to exercise? Recently, I reviewed an article on this topic in a medical newspaper that I often read called the Family Practice News. This article reviewed research done by Skidmore College in Sarasota Springs, Florida. The research team inadvertently stumbled upon when is the best time to exercise. The original goal of the study was to test a unique fitness program with a group of healthy, fit, and active middle-aged adults. The program included four workouts a week including strength training, endurance, high-intensity intervals, and flexibilities. The study included 27 men and 20 women in the three-month program. Because of the size of the groups, they were split into two different groups, morning and evening for the men and for the women. Women who worked out in the morning showed to have more decrease in body fat, as opposed to women who worked out in the evening showed increased upper body strength and power. Men had the same performance whether they worked out in the morning or in the evening. However, men who worked out in the evening showed to have a greater decrease in their blood pressure. So once again, for the women, the women who worked out in the morning showed to have greater decrease in body fat as opposed to the women who worked out in the afternoon showed a greater increase in their upper body strength and power. Men, it didn't matter if they worked out in the morning or the afternoon as far as their performance. However, men had a greater decrease in their blood pressure if they worked out in the evening. Items that weren't mentioned in the article that could have played major factors in the data include the diet in which each participant had, their race, and how they define individuals as being quote-unquote fit. I mean, I think I'm slightly fit, but I was at the gym recently and saw a guy do a cartwheel holding dumbbells while feeding his baby. I don't know how he did it, and I don't want to know how he did it because I don't want to get to that level of fitness, but... There's different levels of what people consider being fit. Also, I wish the sample size was a little bit bigger for this study so that it would have provided more accurate data, but it provided some great information. At the end of this episode, I'll share additional information on how exercising different times of the day can affect your health in other ways. Today on On Call with Dr. Randy, I have on Demarcus McGoy. Demarcus McGoy is a skilled creative director, international visual artist, and certified life coach specializing in brand coaching. 
His design expertise ranges from print design to corporate identity to interactive media development and beyond. As an artist, he has captivated the hearts of art lovers with his unique style with a combination of painting and graphic design. He's worked with such organizations and brands as Beyonce Knows, Survivor Foundation, TD Jakes, Powderhouse Church, and Dr. Pepper. He's also been spotlighted in Ad Week Magazine and Voyage Magazine. This is one talented brother and one of my frat brothers from Prairie View A&M University. Shout out to all the capitalists. Shout out to the Zeta Beta chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi. So let's learn more about the arts and go on call with Demarcus McCoy. All right, so what's up, everybody? We have another great episode of On Call with Dr. Randy. I'm chilling here with my big brother, who is an artist. He's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. He's a hustler. Oak Cliff's on, own, Demarcus McGoy. How you doing, brother? What's up, Randy, man? Thanks for having me, man. No problem, no problem. So he's one of the great artists of this time, of this generation. So I want to make sure that I had him on my podcast to talk about his great artwork. So I'm going to let you give a little bit of background about yourself as an individual, like schooling-wise, um, education-wise, all the residency stuff. You kind of tell how you want to spill your artist history. Okay. Um my name is Demarcus Mogoy. I am originally from Dallas, Texas, but I basically tell everybody Oak Cliff, which is my neighborhood that I rep. Um, graduated from Carter High School, graduated from Prairie View A&M University, played Spring 96 Zeta Beta. Shout out to my LB. Shout out to the chapter. Thanks for having me, Randy. I appreciate that on here. Um, ended up graduating from Prairie View and took a job in Houston at an ad agency and ended up moving back home to Dallas and ended up creating, well, working for Fossil Watches, where I used to um, design watches for Fossil. Okay. Ended up leaving that job, and I started my own design firm in downtown Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I ended up starting a magazine. The design firm was called In-House Media Group, and the magazine was called In-House Magazine. And then in 2007, I ended up moving to New York. So I've been here in New York since 2007. And... Um, I do freelance graphic design, and I'm also an artist, and I'm also a certified life coach. Mm -hmm. But I focus in branding because um, I just know graphic design, and I just know entrepreneurship and, and branding. You know, So I just take the, the tools and the knowledge that I have with that, and I just support um, entrepreneurs in you know, creating a life that it is that they want. Um, I've done, I guess, quite a few artist residencies and um, I've completed one in Brooklyn. I uh, just completed one uh, a couple of weeks ago on Governor's Island, New York. Mm -hmm. And I completed one in Spain, Barcelona, Spain. So I got to spend three months in Spain. Oh, cool. To live, yeah, to live on this vineyard and have this exhibition in Barcelona. And I got to, you know, the opportunity to use my Spanish. I don't get to speak Spanish quite often. Mm -hmm. I'm in Texas, but I do in New York, and I do when I travel across the uh, the world. You don't get to do that in Texas? No, it's not. No, nah, people just, I don't know what it is. Like, you just don't speak it there, you know? Okay. okay. But um, in New York, like, we speak it quite often. Um, and then um, I got accepted into a residency program in France at uh, mm -hmm. Chateau Orcavo. 
which is in like the southern part of France. And I was supposed to be going in February, but it got postponed to 2022. So okay, uh, I'm figuring things out for the year. My, 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 20, my 2021 was pretty much already planned out. Mm-hmm. Solo exhibitions, residencies, and stuff like that. So um, I have to kind of figure it all out. I just, uh, you know, guys do it. Like I just finished a solo exhibition at Sunny House in Dallas, Texas. So that was my first time actually showing my work at home. Okay. So okay. That's, that's a big, pretty, that's that's a big deal it. right there. Yeah, man. It was like, I think once you kind of like tell the universe, yes, mm-hmm. you know, the universe kind of, you know, answers, you know. Mm-hmm. So explain to the the common folks who don't know art that well, what does it mean to be like have a residency in art? Um, so artist residency is, uh, I guess the way that I can explain it is like, it's an opportunity to, to go to a place and, and, and like to create. So you get to create whatever it is that your art is. Um, different residencies are different. So some places you, some places are probably local, like just like your local art community. And it's not necessarily like uh, painting or anything like that. It's, it could be like if you're like into music, if you're into like dance and acting and, and writing, it, it's that. It's, it's, it's a place that you can go to create. So you can either get like a, a studio or a home. And sometimes it depends on like the organization. You can share with other artists or other writers or you have your own spot. Um, most cases, I've always had like my own studio space. And mm-hmm. so it also, I think like, I'm kind of going off subject a little bit, but I think like when you create from home or something like that, um, it's hard to create because you, you're concerned about like deals and farming and then your family's there, you know, but when you have a residency, you have a, a place to go to. Where, and, and it's like, pay for so it, it may be like grant funded or something like that like you don't have to pay for it mm. um some some of them some of them you do some of them like they give you a stipend um you, you normally have an exhibition after it's your residency is completed but it, it basically is it's a place for you to go to experiment research and to create and um for my case i i've been able to like stay in different homes i've been able to Basically, my residency is taking to places that I would never normally be able to, mm-hmm. to go, the opportunity. So what kind of made you pursue the career of being an artist? Like, I know that, like, the, you already knew this before you go in there that thought of the starving artist type deal. But sometimes you just got to push through that to pursue your dreams and what you want to do that makes you happy. So what made you decide that this is going to be the life that I want to live living off my artwork the funny thing was i never really wanted to be an artist because of the starting artist mentality or mindset you know it just in texas it just wasn't respected you know or i would also say like my dad didn't even respect it because uh going to prayer view i was originally going to be a biology major and so That's i was going to be a doctor but i heard this boy say get out of line and and, and be an art major mm-hmm. and so I, I always felt i didn't know any artists who were like thriving. I always saw like a particular style of artist artist when I was in Dallas, like painted maybe like slave art or, you know, a family reunion type paintings, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of never never really interests me, you know, but it was art, you know. 
Like, man, another so Harriet Tubman painting? Yeah, like another, yeah, you know, I mean, nothing nothing wrong with it, but it just, Thank that you, was Harry. all <laughs> I saw, you know? You know, that was, that was just, that was it. So I, I like to paint, like, it's inspirational type things. Mm -hmm. You know, positive messages is what I like. Mm -hmm. uh, I like, you know, I, back then I liked comic books, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I didn't realize that there was a genre called pop art at that mm -hmm. time. But I ended up going into um, I ended up going into advertising because I saw this movie called Boomerang mm -hmm. with Eddie Murphy, and the main his his character was named Marcus. And mm -hmm. man, I just I had never in my life saw black people in an ad agency and dress nice and so many beautiful women. And you know, and I think I had just played. I think I had just went over. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like that was the that was when I saw that I was like that's the kind of life I want. So mm -hmm. I went into graphics because I was like, I knew I, I was quick money. I knew I was good at it. And I would look at all my counterparts and, you know, my friends, they would still be painting. And I'm doing computer graphics, you know, mm -hmm. and it was a faster process. And it was, I knew I could thrive off of it. But to answer your question, um, my friend I was telling you about, who talked about I could generate money. His name is Tafik Muhammad. Tafik uh, was my best friend at Grayview. And Tafik ended up passing away. Hmm. Um, maybe about like six years, maybe about six or seven years ago. He, no, maybe like five years ago, he passed away. Okay. And I felt like uh, when he passed away, it was the permission for me to start painting. I felt like he passed me the baton, like he gave me permission to like start painting. So I think I kind of did it for like like thera therapeutic type reasons. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had a, a this lady that I met at the time. She she owned a gallery, and I didn't know she owned a gallery when I met her. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up challenging me to paint something to hang it in her gallery. Mm -hmm. And I used that project of creating that painting as therapy, you know, for thinking about him or mourning him. And honestly, man, I think um, I paint and I, I do these residencies and all that kind of stuff because he can't or he couldn't, you know, mm -hmm. and so. And I think in the process, man, I guess I feel like at times, like maybe he's my guardian angel mm -hmm. because I'm doing way more things than, than he ever did. Mm -hmm. You know, he never got to go out of the country. He didn't have his passport. He didn't get to do residencies. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he is like uh, maybe speaking my name in rooms and, mm -hmm. you know, whispering my name to people, you know, to give me like opportunities, you know. Yeah, so. Right. What type of art did he used to do? Oh man, he used to do a lot of, in the beginning, he did a lot of acrylics. Um, mm -hmm. He painted like these very vibrant, colorful paintings. I think that's probably where I get like my color from, from him um, and texture. He used a lot of texture, but he painted like a lot of like black people, but he would paint them and their skin tone would be different colors, like blue or just different, just colors. Mm -hmm. And um, he would paint like icons, you know, like Andre 3000, Erica Badu, Sade, Maxwell. You know, like everybody else mm -hmm. does. But then there was a moment where he he never finished from Prairie View, mm -hmm. but he did go back to get his degree years later, and he ended up graduating from Southern. Okay. And um, it's funny we're having this conversation because I thought about it today, that um, he ended up taking his art class, and he was way better than his professor. Mm. But the thing was his professor had more experience than he did as a professional artist. Okay. And I remember him telling me how his professor told him, 
paint what you see, like paint your life and paint your experience. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was something that he passed on to me because I used to paint a lot of icons. You know, I used to paint like Michael Jackson and Prince and, you know, Biggie, the same thing everybody else painted. But it's like, if I did a show, my work up, it was like, there's like 10 other Biggies in here. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, two other Sade's and J. Coe's and Tupac's. Mm -hmm. So I start painting what I see. So I paint people that I know, you know, so, yeah. Do you think his passing made you like venture out more and do things that you may have been afraid to do previously? Because it's like, well, he doesn't have that opportunity. I'm going to do it for him. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, Mm -hmm. originally, that's how, um, you know what, originally, good question, Randy. Like, originally, that was, that was that was how everything went. It was because he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like in honor of him. And I think it became a moment where I felt like it was a it was a destiny that has always called me, but I always ran from it because of the uh, starting artist title or label. You know what I mean? Like even now, I would never call anybody a starting artist. I would call them an emerging artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I would never say yeah, yeah. And it's like starving is a mindset. It's a it's I, when I when I life coach um, my clients, um, I always talk to them about the um, the different mindsets. Like there's like there's an abundant mindset and there's a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and uh, a scarcity mindset is never enough. There's never enough time. There's never there's not enough food. There's not enough money. You know, uh, um, when you people say, oh, man, I wish I had more time. That's a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets 24 hours in a day. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what do you do with it? You know, or it's like, oh, I don't have the money to do this. I can't do this. And it's like scarcity is also fear. So when you say like a starving artist, that's that's a fearful artist. You know, that's a fearful mentality. But an abundant mindset is you have more than enough. You got more than enough money. You got more than enough love. You got more enough time like and whatever you think is what my my experience is whatever you think is what you attract Mm -hmm. so if you think in scarcity you attract more scarcity Mm -hmm. if you think in abundance you attract more abundance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I feel like it's kind of looking at it like if the glass is half empty or half full Mm -hmm. Mm how are you going to approach that so you as an artist you do a lot of pop art like, what is pop art? If you had to explain to somebody, define what part pop art is. So pop art is like popular culture. Mm-hmm. So things that are popular in this era and in this time right now. So it's brands. So you may see like cartoon characters. You may see people do like Mickey Mouse type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they may do like a cool painting, put a Mickey Mouse in the background or something. Or you may see like uh, comic book characters like Spider-Man or the Joker or um, you may see stuff like, like, like my favorite pop artist is Andy Warhol. He's this mm-hmm. old white guy. Oh yeah. You've been he, to his museum before? Yeah. Uh, no, I've never been to his museum yeah, before. I, I've been to it once, the one in Pittsburgh. Okay. No, I've never been before. Uh-uh. Um, but then there's like, um, he did stuff like, he did like a lot of brands. So he had like GE and he had like Zenith, you know, Campbell things Soup. like that. Campbell Soup. So. Mm-hmm. Prime example, like I have a, uh, well, I don't have any more, but like, I think 
one of the one of the pieces that I created that most people knew me from was my rendition of my Campbell suit. And I took, uh, I did a mashup. So I started looking at my work like remixes. Mm -hmm. So I did a Campbell suit painting, but I put Naomi Campbell's face on the cover of it. Okay. You know, so it was like a mashup of that. And then it's like, I had this old picture of Run DMC. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, yo, who could be a cool Run DMC? And right. I ended up making it into Burton Ernie. Mm -hmm. I end up like selling that. So those are like pop arts type stuff. Um, but now um, I'm leaning more towards um, like portraitures mm -hmm. and narrative paintings. Like I paint portraits. Like I, I, So I think because I have that uh, graphic design, you know, background where I used to do party flyers and stuff like that. A lot of my art, I paint people, but I put them like into my concepts. Mm-hmm. Like it, as if it was a flyer. Um, I love to look at people and I like to see like their facial features and their body types. Mm -hmm. And I love to hear their stories, their stories of like, you know, like even like how we do it on the podcast. Like I love to hear this. I think that's the life coach part of me. And I like to hear their, you know, triumph stories and I like to hear like their low moments, you know, and, and then I like to paint that, you mm -hmm. know. But then I also, I'm leaning more into like narrative type paintings too. So meaning, painting like painting the scene so like mm -hmm. if there's a picture of you and like let's say you was a kid and, like you went to disney world or something like that mm -hmm. i would take that 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 picture of you from disney world and i would paint that picture and i would paint everything that's around you so to to recreate the moment but also to convey that moment to the people that are looking at it so people what are they seeing are they seeing like you know, this little boy's first time going to Disney World or are they seeing like a family vacation or is it somebody remembering when they went to Disney World or is it someone who never went to Disney World and always wanted to go? Okay. Okay. So let's kind of stay on that pathway right there. So let's okay. narrate this situation. So okay. first question, do you remember what was the first pop art of work that you produced that you put on display? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, mm -hmm. I still have it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called, uh, it's called State of Mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, wow, I've never really talked about this painting before. I still have it. It's, uh, it's paint, it's, it's, it's pop art, but it's kind of, I don't know, conceptualized type art a little bit. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but it's a painting of um, this guy. He has like a bunch of color in his face. Mm -hmm. He has like a lot of textures on his black, but I painted his face and he has a bunch of color in it. And he has this crown on his head. He has a bunch of white words all around it. Okay. Um, it's called state of mind um, because the guy represents a king, like, mm -hmm. a, like a black, well, really he represents like a black man, mm -hmm. but the crown is his king and all the words around him are like different ways of being. They're different, like uh, characteristics or or things of of a black man. Mm -hmm. um, and the funny thing about it is, again, you paint your life, you paint what you see, you paint what you know. The image is actually one of my line brothers. Mm -hmm. um, I used his face for the image, mm -hmm. but all the words that are around him, they represent a different line brother. Okay. My line, but they also represent. And I, I chose that because um, they inspired 
as you know, at that time, they definitely inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like one of the youngest ones on my line. Mm-hmm. And they were, I think I always looked at them in like this big brother type mm-hmm. role figures. Um, but then also just those ways of being or just ways of being of a lot of black men that I knew, mm-hmm. you know, do you know what I mean when I say ways of being? No, break that down. Okay. So uh, ways of being, they're like, they're like, there's um, some people would say they're characteristics, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's like, how are you being? Not necessarily how are you doing, but how are you being? So mm-hmm. it's like, um, if someone is, uh, someone is like loving, they're being loving. If someone's compassionate, they're being compassionate. If someone is being angry, they're being angry. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, but what we would probably, so in a life coach standpoint, like when I talk to people, it's like, it's this phrase that we have, like, be, do, have. If you be it, you can do it. And if you can do it, you can have it. So it's like, um, you want to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what, like, it's like, who does Randy have? And I use this, I use this with a lot of like goal um, strategies and stuff too, like setting goals. It's like, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm not, about, I'm not about the life coach, but it's like, it's like, sometimes I ask myself like, well, who do I have to be to get what I want? Mm-hmm. So it's like, who does Randy have to be? Not necessarily what does Randy have to do? Who does Randy have to be in order to be a doctor or to do the things as a doctor? And so I also, I kind of tell my clients like ways of being for me, they're kind of like superpowers. Mm -hmm. So imagine a a superhero. So it's like, who do you have to be to get a job done or to get something done? You know, so it's like the flash, he runs fast. So that means he has to be urgent with all his goals, everything like that. Mm -hmm. Superman, like, you know, um, he's fast as well but he's strong so it means like you have to be strong-minded or you have to be strong you may have to be a leader uh batman like he's cunning and he's ruthless mm-hmm. you know and he's smart you know so it's like i have to be smart i have to be cunning i have to be ruthless in order to get these these goals done or to get this painting done you know so ways of being so basically to bring it back to the painting there's different ways of being that black men can be or they have been within this painting. Right, right. So what what words are around the male figure in that painting? Uh, the top yeah, and I just had it. It just, oh, here it is. It just um, like I do know, like one at the top does say state of mind because that's the name of the the painting. But then there's like gifted, there's powerful, there's um, notorious, leader, mm-hmm. loving, respectful. Um, a, like a man, a son, a father, educated, a husband, uh, creative, faithful, prayerful. You know, there's just all these different things, and I I do. And now it's funny that I, I'm looking at it. Um, it was actually I don't know if you were there at that time. It was actually around the time that um Sandra Bland died. And I remember, were you there? I was kind of around, I wasn't there when she died, but I was probably at the school with her around the time when she was going there. Okay. And I remember I ended up putting Black Lives Matter on that painting. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember showing it to this uh, curator. He was a white guy. 
-hmm. And he said, I love the painting. Because I was like, you know, do you want to put it in your gallery? And he was like, I would love to carry this painting. He was like, but could you take off Black Lives Matter? And I was like, you crazy? And I was like, I'm not taking it off. And so he was like, he said, I think it's over. And that was like years ago. And he was like, I think it's overrated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, no, I'm not taking it off. I was like, um, that's the first time I kind of ever really heard Black Lives Matter. Or maybe I took it like that serious. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't know her. I was like, but man, she went to my school. You know, she's a panther. Mm-hmm. You know, like she walked the... The, the streets that I walked, she drove the street that I drove, you know? So I was like, I'm, it was like an honor for Sandra Bland. So I was like, no, I'm not taking that off. Yeah, that's, it was hard kind of seeing that video as far as like seeing the road that you and I have both dri- driven down many times before mm-hmm. and just knowing that that could have potentially been us at any time, just going down that road on, on a regular day because we kind of know what it's like living around that area um, that we went to school at. So just to go back to, like, what I was trying to get you to go on a little bit was the narration. So mm-hmm. we, we are, you mentioned what was your first picture. If you were to narrate the first time that you put that on display, like, and you had to paint that out, what would that look like? Like, would it show you being nervous, anxious, being excited, yeah. the atmosphere that you were in? If you had to put your own, like, do your own self-narration, what would that be? Um, I remember, man, I was so nervous. It was the first time I ever showed a painting. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to paint one painting, and I think because I'm such an overachiever, I ended up painting two. Mm-hmm. And the gallery is called Heath Gallery. It's in Harlem. Okay. And the event was called Hang Night. And the way the Hang Night goes is the artists show up and you wait in line. You wait for the gallery to open. And then once the gallery opens, it's like a free for all. You go find a space to hang your artwork. And then you talk about your art for the night. And I remember getting there and having these two big, large pieces. And I had it uh, flip, flipped around so nobody could see what my art looked like. So you know, of course, there was like a bit of like, like you know, hesitation and nervousness and anxiety and um, you know, in comp- competition, you know, because people was trying to look to see what other people's art looked like. And mm-hmm. I remember hanging up these two pieces, and I remember the them passing the mic around to each artist. You had to speak about your art. I had never, yeah, I'd never shown my art. Yeah, I never spoke about it. And I just remember, like, being nervous, man, and just talking about these two pieces. And, um, and you know, talking about your art, it's, it's, it's vulnerable because they're your personal stories, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like I was always a very private person. So it was kind of like I was letting people into my world, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I'm, I'm, and I think always I was kind of like a defensive type person because, you know, I was one of the people, like, my family talking that what goes on in the house, stay in the house. You don't talk about your problems, mental health, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking about the pieces and then hearing about and then hearing like seeing how people reacted to it, like this, I'm so like the other piece is sold. It's it's been purchased like maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. but this particular piece, it trips me out that it hasn't been sold yet. But I feel like it just hasn't um, like like the like the right buyer hasn't found it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard how this particular piece uh, is also kind of like supports people with like mental health mm-hmm. it like empowers people i didn't realize when i was creating this like how it empowered people how it empowered like it gave black men um uh, 
know, gave them like motivation and inspiration. You know, um, I've, I've, I haven't sold the original, but I've sold canvas prints of this where it looks like it's the original. Mm-hmm. And then I've also sold out of my 11 by 14 prints because a lot of parents buy it for their, their young boys, you know, for the young sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. That's very interesting. Can you kind of go back into like as an artist, cause I've written a book. And so I kind of know about that artist aspect, how kind of scary that is a little bit to let that out into the world, something that you've been working on and hoping that other people see it as great as you do. And hopefully getting some of that good positive feedback like oh that is a dope piece of work but then also dealing with the negative aspect of like nah i'm not feeling that um you know it one thing i realized now is like i'm not for everybody mm-hmm. you know um there's some people that i felt like like i've i've, I've like submitted to a couple of uh galleries and museums back at home in texas Mm-hmm. And I didn't get accepted, but I think that's because um, one person, one person curator told me that they just didn't know what to do with me because mm-hmm. they, they not, they wasn't used to my kind of art, like pop art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they were used to like, again, like the Harriet Tubman's and the slave art, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they weren't used to this. They'd never seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the sweatshirt you got on, you know, with, like I do the fashion and with the, you know, I put it on the bunny wrap. That was like my, um, spirit animal series that I did mm-hmm. like people had never really people that I knew never really had seen art like that before mm-hmm. um so putting it out at first yeah it was scary I analyzed I analyzed a lot but mm-hmm. I think I, I approached my art like a um graphic design back then mm-hmm. you know I was painting I feel like I was painting dope art likable art but the scary part is now i'm getting more personal mm. now it's like i'm i'm telling story like i used to tell other people's stories now i'm telling my stories mm-hmm. and that's the part that's vulnerable that's the part that's scary mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't really i feel like even if critics say oh i hate it I know I got a support system of people that's going to go community, people that's going to be like, yo, he's dope. I love his work. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. I have buyers and they come back and they purchase, you know, other pieces. But it's the part when I have to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. If I tell a story about a particular painting, it's like, how do you know that painting? I mean, how do you know that person? Mm-hmm. And where were you when you met that person? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then it becomes like people maybe projecting their own life. Mm-hmm. Because everybody sees something different, you know what I mean. Um, it becomes a lot of that, you know. That's the part that, you know, you, that you're that you're like, or that I'm like, you know, nervous about it. But there's a part that I always tell myself, like, just trust my dopeness, you know. Like, even if I got like a bad review or whatever, I know that there's somebody out there in the world that. Mm-hmm needs to see this painting or somebody that loves this painting. I don't even care what the reviews or anything are because it's like I know that there's somebody after like this like this like this like my paintings that I painted in Spain, I painted those in like 2019. And when I came back from Spain, people were just like, nah, that ain't it, Demarcus. Mm-hmm. And it's like now it's 2020 
I'm damn near sold out of all my paintings. I had to create like all new stuff. All this stuff is like gone. My inventory is like gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like I had to create all new work. So it's like sometimes it's just a matter of um, you know, when and where. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell my my life coach clients that our talents and like our our talents are tied to someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, for instance, like you know, writing a book. You know, like there are uh, people who who want to empower women. And but they they like sit on their butt and they don't like write their book. And I'm like, the longer it takes for you to write that book and publish that book, the longer it takes for that young lady to get out of that abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, Great. because because she doesn't she doesn't have your book yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the longer it takes for you to create that app, the longer it's gonna take for somebody to be an entrepreneur. Right. You right. know. The longer it takes for you to um, be a doctor, go to like you know uh, medical school, the longer it's going to take for somebody to get that new heart. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree because that's what I try to tell other people. Like, you don't realize how much you doing something inspires other people by you just reaching your dreams. That, like, like me writing my book. It's encouraged other people like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Let me reach out to Randy. Like he can maybe teach me how to write a book or just other industries that, oh, I've always thought about writing a play. Like I'm gonna write this play because Randy can do write a book. Like if he can do it, I know I can do my stuff, which is pretty much the same thing. Like you people just have to get over that scary fear. Then it's also Mm -hmm. like what you said, a lot of things are very personable to people. And it's hard sometimes telling your personal story because you feel like you're going to be judged or you're opening yourself up so much that it's definitely scary to do that. But to get your message out there, you just have to kind of get over that hump and not worry about necessarily everybody's um, opinion of everything. I agree. Something you said was um, spoke to me. Uh, A, a lot of times people are scared to, to do things or put things out because of the people that they are surrounded around. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to people, I always say, like, look in your phone and who who are in your favorites folder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who's the last person that you talk to? Like your top five people that you're around or that you hang around, you end up becoming that. So if they're scary and they're not empowering or they don't, they're not entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you can't talk to them about being an entrepreneur because they don't know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, talk to them about being a millionaire because they're not a millionaire because they don't know what it looks like. And so it's like, you need to surround yourself around people who are doing certain things. And the one, one of the things that I had to learn was all of the things that I did, like when I was younger, my family, my line brothers, they weren't my audience. You know, mm-hmm. my, my talents weren't serving them. My talents was, was better serving other people, you know, like, people in Dominican Republic, you know, people in Spain, you know, people in Italy, like I'm this dude from Oak Cliff, Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, nobody in Oak Cliff was doing that. I had no one to speak to about things like that. And even going off to college, you know, I'd speak to my line brothers. I mean, we, I mean, we all had a conversation and I remember them saying, you know, DeMarcus, uh, you used to ask, I was, let's, just, let's just say this, I was very insecure when I was in college. Mm-hmm. very insecure and i used to ask my line brothers for advice on everything 
and they came back to me now that we're older and I remember them saying like DeMarcus like you have visions of things that we just didn't know he would ask us our opinion we'd be like man that's stupid mm-hmm. you know but it was like yo I'm like like how the hell I'm gonna ask you 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 never even done this you know what I mean and I'm I'm listening to it so it's like a lot of times like you know you go to your husband or to your wife and you ask questions and you want their opinion or you want their like validation they're not your audience mm-hmm. so it's like you have to know your audience and you got a book you got a podcast you know it could turn into a tv show mm-hmm. like there's like opp- like opportunities happen because you took the first step in doing the book mm-hmm. yeah. you know? so it's it's that you know yeah you never you never know what's gonna happen just be based upon like certain th- things that you do like something that's very simple like like me writing the book, one of my, this girl I've known my entire life, her son has autism and he started reading the chapter numbers in my book. Like she sent me a video of him just counting each chapter number mm. and that like brought tears to her eyes because he's starting to talk more. He's doing better with his numbers and just happened to be that out of all books she had laying around in the house that he liked my book and just start seeing the numbers and just going through that. So I would ne- never thought like, oh, meeting this b- me writing this book is going to help some child who has autism learn how to count. Like imagine the other things that people kind of just sitting on their ideas that can help others. Right? So just a, a quick question about you as an yeah. artist. How yeah, do congratulations. You, appreciate it. Appreciate it. How do you sharpen your skills as an artist? I think I just... Oh man, good question. I think I just do it all around. I think I just I never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Like even today, I watched like two documentaries on like two different artists that I one artist that I love, another artist was somebody that I just want to learn more about him and his process. Um, so I never stopped doing that. I always apply to like workshops. Like last night, I did a workshop where he talked about like artist grants. Mm-hmm. That was something that I didn't know. So it's like I I never stop learning. You know, I think the only thing is I may I might need to like maybe learn some new techniques. That's something that I might need to do um as an artist. But I think I always approach everything like a business owner, you know, mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur. And so it's like, um, how can I sharpen my skills, I guess, as a business owner or as a life coach, as an example to other people. But I think when it's pertaining to my art, not necessarily the technique, but more of like what am i putting out into the world you know i want to i want to continue to change lives Mm -hmm. what what do you see is like the value in art like why should people buy art (sighs) man there's a couple there's a a couple things um some people buy buy art because of emotions that Mm -hmm. it evokes into them some people buy art because it makes them feel good. You know, it may motivate them. Some people may buy because of like, it reminds them of a memory or an experience that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may buy because they want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people may buy because they're just a collector and they're a collector of things. And so they just want to be able to say that they have it. Mm-hmm. And then I think there and are there's also like what's known as a flipper so some people want to invest in it and then flip it and make like more money off of it so it's almost kind of like 
if you bought one of my pieces and I go on to be like a million dollar artist or a billion dollar artist and you own one of my pieces, then it's like you can flip that and make 10 times more money than what you paid for it. Right. You know, everybody has their own different reasons why they buy art. Um, some people buy just to support artists, you mm-hmm. know, but I think um, I'm really appreciating. It's funny that you're asking this too, because I'm an artist and I just started collecting art myself. I just started my collection. Okay. Okay. So I, the pieces that I, I purchased, I purchased because um, it makes me feel a certain way. Right. Tell everybody where they can get your art from. Um, you can DM me. You can always, um, I mean, cause my name is very hard to spell. So let's just say if you just Google DeMarcus MCG, mm-hmm. you can find me on there. So you can go on Instagram. It has my website. Um, there's a website called sachiart.com. Okay. I have art on there. There's Sonny House Gallery in um, Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, if you just type in DeMarcus MCG, my name pops up and my website, everything pops up. That's the easiest way. Okay, cool, cool. So we got the Marcus back for Randy's random questions. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, you look nervous and excited at the same time period. All right, so question number one. You're on an island, you're by yourself. A helicopter comes over the island. It can only give you three materials that you need to be an artist. What three materials do you want this helicopter to drop below to you? Three materials to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Wow, good question. Uh, can I say a computer? Yeah, okay. Okay. I would say a computer. I would say, yeah, I would say a computer. Okay. And I would say Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And a... Uh, a package of pencils. Okay. Okay. Why those three items? Um, as long as I have a laptop and a Wi-Fi, I can have unlimited inspiration. Okay. Pencils I could use to like sketch or use them as tools to mm-hmm. do anything. I could find materials on the island to create art with. Okay. Yeah. That's a total entrepreneur question, by the way. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sure is. I know who I'm talking to. We're gonna drop you on Galveston Island, Capital Beach. Park. <laughs> yep. If you could put one of your pieces of art anywhere in the world, any type of situation, where would you put the piece of art, and which piece of art would it be that you have? Like, for example, like, like the picture that you have behind you. If you wanted to put that on a billboard, as people drove into Dallas to see your work of art as soon as they come in. If you wanted to hang it up in a White House, where would you put that piece of art and which one would you pick out of all the pieces that you've made? Mm, I would want to put it in the Louvre in France. Okay. In Paris. And I don't think I've created the piece yet. Okay. Um, I think it would be probably going to be in trouble on this one. Let me go on and be safe and say I will it would probably be a painting that I want to create of my dad and myself. Okay. Okay. All right. That's, that's some good ideas and good paintings right there. 
If I say Oak Cliff, what do you say? I would say there ne- there'll never be another place like this. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of a lot of people would say that's my hood, mm-hmm. but there was a song when I was younger by Nemesis, and it would say it's the Oak Cliff. There you'll never you'll never see another place like this. What's so special about Oak Cliff? <clears throat> um, Oak Cliff, it's a place that that taught me how to be a man. It's a place that raised me to, um, and Oak Cliff is just like, it's like, it's a place where it's like the best of the best are there. Mm-hmm. There's like the best athletes. They were like good looking people. They were like accomplished black people. Growing up, um, my experience at Oak Cliff growing up was Oak Cliff was definitely the neighborhood that you wanted to live in. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like all the big houses. It was all the educated, you know, family, the parents, um, it was all like the talented kids, you know, the football players, the basketball players, the fashion, like Oak Cliff just had like a fashion to it, the cars, like it was almost kind of like a, um, like a little ball in heels, you know, but okay. in Dallas, and it was like all the, the black kids had like brand new cars, like BMWs and, you know, cars with rims on it, you know, music. It was magical. You know, I think at that time I didn't know my, Growing up, I didn't know my my place there. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know my place there. But like, I traveled all around the world, and there's another. There's, I had never seen another place like that. One Oak Cliff. <laughs> yeah, you know, and no, and, and the funny thing about Oak Cliff, Oak Cliff is Oak Cliff is a place that you can say and people know it around the world. Mm-hmm. I when I was in Spain, I painted this painting, Miss Oak Cliff. Mm-hmm. And I painted an image of this young lady and she wore a sash that said Miss Oak Cliff. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny in Spain, somebody knew what Oak Cliff, they knew where Oak Cliff was. Okay. In Spain, in Barcelona, Spain, somebody walked into the gallery and they knew of Oak Cliff, Texas. If you had to send a message back in time to young DeMarcus who switched from being a potential biology major to being an artist, what would you send back on that message? Uh, oh, man. Are we getting deep here? Very deep. Um, being authentic. Being authentic, I would say, I would say, I would say put the pills down. I would say you have an amazing life to live. There are people in the world that are waiting to meet you. There are people in the world waiting to love you. There are people in the world waiting for you to decide to do better and be better. And one day you will impact this world and you will activate people's spiritual gifts. That's a good message right there. Good message to young DeMarcus. And what message would you leave for yourself now if you look back on this podcast and listen to it in the future? Uh, I should say like 15, 20 years from now. What you, what you want to tell future DeMarcus? That's a good question. I ask people that when I paint them too. Mm-hmm. I, would say, I would say congratulations, you did that shit. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, simple message right there to future DeMarcus. Yes, yes. Be proud. Be proud of what you accomplished. You did that. Stop throwing bows all the time. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. But all right, we're going to let you off the hot seat. I appreciate you sitting down for Randy's random questions. See, it wasn't that bad. You can relax. Yeah, thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. That really, I, you know, I've never shared this story with anybody. Well, I've shared it once before, but in a close setting, I've never shared that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents probably don't even know that, but I thank you, man. And I believe in, um, thank you for asking me that question because I believe like the universe sends the right things at the right time. And again, like we're, we're all here like to change lives. You know, mm-hmm. people may look at me right now and be like, yo, he got it together. He's always had it together. And there was a time where I did, mm-hmm. you know, so I have something to think about for the rest of the day. Good, good. I'm glad we had a good conversation. Hope to bring you back on in the future, bro. We could talk about some more stuff. I know you got a lot of business ventures. I have more questions that I want to ask you, but we couldn't get into all of it. But I feel like we had a good conversation tonight. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you being a yes for the world. And I appreciate all that you're doing for the world, empowering everybody and using your gifts and your abilities to make the world a better place. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you too, bro. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe out there. I appreciate you, man. Thanks to Marcus for opening my listeners and my eyes to your artistic background. Make sure you all go follow him on his social media pages, which are located in the show description, and be sure to purchase some of his art. It's a worthy investment. Now let's get back to the benefits of exercising at certain times of the day. Another study referenced in the article stated that men who exercise between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. saw an improvement in their blood sugar. Exercising Exercising has also shown to help you fall asleep and get deeper sleep. Just don't exercise right before bed. This can lead to your heart rate staying elevated and prevent you from getting good quality sleep. But in conclusion, the best time to exercise in general is when you can. You have to get your body up, active, and moving. This will help to reduce your chances of having a heart attack, stroke, diabetes, obesity, and a long list of other ailments. So go exercise. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you all next weekend. Not weekend. What am I talking about? Wednesday. I'm trying to get to the weekend already. (laughs) But as always, stay healthy physically and mentally. 